Hello and welcome to episode 476 of Fergus on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going good, Andrew. I'm in a zen-like state tonight, and uh, it's going to be a great episode because of it. Yeah, I was going to just, uh, just, uh, I had a stat, had a stat I wanted to hit, use. Let you know. Hit me with the stat. Hit me with the stat. Right off the top. Okay. Probably not what this one's about. No? <laughs> what? Um, I said you probably know what this one's about if you saw what I've tweeted today. No, I haven't. I've got no idea. Oh. Okay. Every time since 2013, the Penrith have lost to the West Tigers. Yeah. Which is five times. So yep. it's not that many. Yep. But they've gone on to lose the game the following week as well. Oh, really? That's an interesting one. Mm. So I lost to the Tigers. I lost to the Tigers for Penrith. Mm-hmm. It's so traumatic it fucks them up for two weeks. That's understandable. That That's very fair. Yeah. I think they've got the Warriors this week. Well, the Warriors won't be easy beats. I mean, they're going to have to turn up to beat them. Um, the Warriors have been playing all right this year, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if the streak continues. There you go. It's um, There was only one win, I think, in 2012, and then there was two more losses after that. So it's okay. it's been going on for over a decade, this, this run of form. That's interesting. Mind okay. you, the Tigers have had to lose a lot of games in the process, but <laughs> when they do get a win... It's compounded straight away. Yeah, yeah. We'll find out, hey? I guess that's why they play the games. That's right. And so, you know, obviously the Tigers are impressive in the Battle of the Waps in Bathurst on the weekend. Mm-hmm, yep. <sighs> both, um, both. can you explain what Waps is? I'm sure people have heard of Cardi B. No, I haven't. Who's she? Uh, what does she do? Does she sing a song or something? What's yeah. That's called WAP. WAP. What does yeah. WAP stand for? Something about cats playing in the rain. WAP. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's go with that. All right. Yeah. Um, now, people are going to expect me to gloat. You know what? I'm not going to gloat because is it really something you can do to gloat about the fact your team had their first win in nearly nine months. That's not gloat material. Uh, so, no, I, I think you could gloat. I no, gloat. no. The, the thing that got me was the, the players celebrating like they won a fucking grand final. And I'm looking at them going, you do realise you've lost the last seven games to start the season. What, what's with this fucking celebration? I can understand relief. That would make sense. I mm-hmm. saw that on, you know, Luke Brooks looked relieved more than anything else. Yeah. But dancing around, partying and celebrating and going, just fucking ease up. And for the media over the last three years to be constantly banging on about the bad attitude Penrith have when they win, mm-hmm. I thought, mm, how come they're all quiet about the Tigers celebrating like it's fucking 1999 when they've had their first yeah. win in nine months? Just calm down. That's a good point. I mean, like, I don't know. I I was so, I was so like, in on the Penrith non-performance that that's quite, kind of what I was more focused on. And when I saw the West Tigers were celebrating the way they were, I, I kind of thought to myself, well, look, they 
they it's their first win of the season and they've just knocked off the premiers and uh, you know they wanted it more than Penrith did that I think that that was the big difference between the two teams in the game um but you know I've got no problems with players celebrating but there are times where you kind of see someone celebrating and you're like you know let's just calm this down a little bit but when it, you haven't won a game all season I can see where you celebrate break in the dark Mm, yeah okay I, I i'm i don't know i think there's been too much that's gone wrong and too much failures that a lot of it's now going to be forgotten because of one win there is and, that, that, and that, that's more of a way the west tigers function more than anything else yeah i mean yeah. the news that's come out since then is they're celebrating about the fact that they've just hired some um recruitment person who's basically on the outer at manly sounds like a great person to sign is it the same person that signed fucking Aaron Woods recently? Probably, yeah. Well, this is the thing. Um, there was a comment saying that this person, I think it's one of the, is it Scott Fulton? I can't remember. It's one of the Fultons anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, is leaving Manly and going to the West Tigers. So expect a um, a drain of Manly players to the West, uh, West Tigers. And I thought, oh, that means Alloway and Woods are coming back home. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they won't take the the good guy who left um Tanganoa. they'll stay behind but yeah. they'll grab the other two yeah it's uh it's a shame it's yeah i i get where you when you've the problem is when wins when you're a terrible club they do gloss over that change needs made and it's the sort of thing that you know the the power brokers that the west tigers will pin their hat on and say well we beat the premiers it's like you know, you didn't beat anyone else in the first fucking two months of the competition, <laughs> though, did you? Um, and look, it's, uh, to be honest, um, and I'm not I'm not taking anything away from the Tigers' performance because a lot of their games this year, they have been in the match. Mm-hmm. But what we saw, the difference between this win and the last six games, more than anything else, is not to do with the West Tigers. Okay. So West Tigers were doing the same thing West Tigers have done in all the last six weeks, and that is they get to the last tackle, mm-hmm. and their execution on a play there is fucking atrocious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely dire. Like decision-making plays. I think I saw three or four times in the second half alone, Luke Brooks getting the ball on the fourth tackle, looking for an option runner, and yeah. this has been happening for years. There's no one. Yeah. And so he has to take on the line himself, which means he's then not available on the fifth tackle. Yeah. People will blame Luke Brooks for that. And the only thing you can blame him for is the fact that he's not calling a play, which is a big thing. But every player, every forward should be looking for a hit-up, especially close to the line, even on a fourth tackle. Someone's got to be running a line somewhere, not all just standing there asking for someone to say, run. The crazy thing for me is that since Dewey went out and they've brought Wakeham into the side and you watch Brooks and Wakeham, apart from last weekend, Brooks played his best game in years, I think, last weekend. But you watch Brooks and Wakeham, and if you had to ask somebody that didn't know which one of these players is on a million bucks and which one is probably close to the NRL minimum, they would be hard-pressed to tell which one is which. Possibly. I think it's a little different. All right. I think the last three weeks, what we've seen is Coruscant has started doing a lot more play calling in the middle of the field. Oh, yeah, 100%. He's and been amazing for them. 
He has. He, he was slow to start. Those first three, four weeks, he was very steady. But the last three three games, um, he has been fucking huge. Mm. Mm. Uh, he's really straightened up his running game. He's getting behind. You can see him sometimes when he sees the attacks going nowhere, he won't go to dummy half. He'll stand back and he'll call plays. And he'll only do it for one or two tackles in a set. But he'll just it's just that one time he does it, straightens things up, gets them back moving, and then he'll come in with a quick scoot from dummy half, and then you get two good tackles in a row, and all of a sudden they've made good meters. Problem is, the execution on the last tackle has just been atrocious. Yeah, it's been terrible. Uh, and they are the terrible. worst. They are the worst team in the comp when it comes to execution on the last. Mm. Um, the thing that saved them this time around is, as bad as the Tigers was, Penrith was the worst I've seen their last tackle options in a long time. While they were completing their uh, last tackles much more consistently than the Tigers were, they weren't threatening the Tigers at all. No. In no way. Their kicking game wasn't, their passing game wasn't, their running game wasn't on the last. It just did nothing. It was so pedestrian. I've not seen the Penrith Panthers play like that in, what, four or five years? Yeah, and I I said on Twitter this week, because I thought about it for a couple of days, and I said Penrith doesn't want it as much as they did the last few years. And I got a lot of pushback from people saying, well, they've got injuries and they've got this and that. And I, I tend to not make excuses for Penrith. Um, we've seen them, you know, the games they've lost this year, they've only just lost. Yeah. And there's been too many games where we've watched the two-dime defending premiers lose a match and you say, well, yeah, the Broncos just wanted it more. You know, and it, it go through all of the games they've lost. And... You look at where they are on the ladder. It even goes back to their pre-season trial match. The other team just wanted it more, you know, and it's uh, that becomes a habit. And, you know, when you add that to the fact that they don't have a hooker, so they're not getting anything out of dummy half. And, you know, what are you supposed to do in the NRL when you don't have a dummy half? You've got zero attack out of dummy half whatsoever. And so you become easy meat in the middle of the field. And considering that our forwards are, are still going pretty well, like it's amazing. It shows how good they are because it's not like there's any, you know, sleight of hand or making the other forwards have to make decisions because there's nothing out of dummy half. Uh, Nathan Cleary's kicking game, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but ever since last year when he had all, other, he had like, what, five weeks off for a dangerous tackle. Yeah. And they said, oh, I spent five weeks doing all these special kicks. And I was like, cool. And, and how about he just goes back to doing some fucking basic kicking again? Because all these special kicks are, are pretty fucking average, quite honestly. Um, Jerome Luai's just been wasted. Is a really great footballer that's been wasted. We've got a bunch of fucking just copy-paste back rowers who can tackle all day. They're very mobile. They do nothing in attack. Um and and the thing is, the Panthers are really close. Like we know, we know how good they are. But I think that there's a thing with coaches that they like to play it safe, you know. And so the Panthers have lost a bit of attack in their pack through Coruscant and Kikau leaving, and they've been replaced by players that are just tacklers. And it's not good enough. You can't fucking just tackle yourself to victory every single game. You've got to score some fucking points, you know. You've got to make the other team worry a little bit. You can't just leave it up to freak plays all the time. And and that's too much of what we're seeing out of Penrith. And it's fucking pissing me off. 
Well, the thing that surprised me more than anything is Leota was barely used in this game. Mm-hmm. He was on the field for 47 minutes, which is a little bit less than what he'd normally do. Not by much. He only had 10 runs and made 90 metres. Yeah. You could he put made good post-contact metres, but he was barely given the ball to run. Yeah. Think, why, why are they doing that? Yeah, you, and you can put some of it down to the conditions, but not all of it. Because he is like... I mean, he's a fucking machine. I absolutely love Leota. He yeah. he's, he is like got to be one of the scariest players in the league because all he does is smash people in attack and defense. So, um, especially when the Tigers were playing like pretty much into pen restraint, and that is they're playing mm-hmm. in the middle of the field a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where you got Leota and Yo at their absolute best. That's where they thrive is in that middle. Mm-hmm. And Clemen. I think Clemmer was the only player to make 200 metres in the game. Yeah. There was only... I'm just looking at stats. Yo made 141 metres and Sorensen 106. Yeah. That's their best for the forwards. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And a lot of that comes from the fact that they're getting nothing out of dummy half. The dummy half just shoves it out there. It makes me wonder, and I know this is crazy, and I know that if you put this to the player and the coach and the team and the fan base, they'd all say, you know what, League Freak, you are nuts. I would play Luai at hooker. It's not a bad idea. Who would you be putting at six? I think that you could find some. Like, I reckon you could probably try anyone at six because the six role at the moment for Penrith is just a ball runner. You know, it's not Peachy too much there. of a playmaker. Hmm? Peachy? Yeah, why not? Like, you could, I mean, you could try Crichton there, see how he went, um, because they don't use Luai properly. And we've, we know what a talented footballer Luai is, and I just think if you put him in a hooker, he would be great running out of dummy half. We know his defense is fantastic. Um, I, I think he would cause a lot of problems. But if I'm Jerome Luai, I don't want to be moved to Hawkeye either. I'm a I'm a 5'8", I'm an international 5'8", and um, a premiership winning 5'8", as well. I, I wouldn't want to be moved to Hawkeye if I was him. But what doesn't he, oh, how about they have him at 5'8", oh, sorry, at Hooker, mm. in attack only? And then park him out on the edge in defence. He doesn't have to do too much of the defensive work. He can still be a big threat. And if you have, say, Sonny Luke as the starting hooker or even um, Kenny, I'd prefer Luke. Mm. Um, you still got that playmaking option that's still there, whereas mm. with, with Kenny, you've got more of a defender I mean, more than anything else. Yeah. The thing, look, Kenny is not a first-grade attacking hooker. Like, he's he's a back rower, you know? Yeah. Um, and th- the problem is Sonny Luke... When we do have him inside, we hardly give him any playing time. So I still don't know whether he's a first-grade hooker or not. Um, I would prefer to just chuck him in there for 80 minutes, see how he goes, because he can either do the job or he can't. I was going to say, do you reckon Mitch Kenny's just Cameron McInnes with teeth? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit rough. <laughs> um, I'm talking about his teeth. No, I... <laughs> It's a pretty fair comparison, you know. I just think that... As I'm saying, yeah, they're very good defensively, but mm. they don't offer a great deal from dummy half. Like, you won't see either McInnes or Kenny 
going on a run from dummy half too often. No, no. Sonny Luke, though, he does have the ball skills. He's got that good speed off a, off a standing start as well. Mm. So if he sees the defense is slow to move, he can go and run straight out and exploit him and try and get a penalty or get through him. You know, Kenny doesn't have that. So the first thing he's got to do is find someone to give the ball to. And more often than not, he's trying to pass the ball to Cleary, which is, I don't know if, I don't know if that's planned. Mm. Maybe in attack, Lua needs to be a little bit closer into the ruck. Because yeah. I think at the moment, if Cleary's the one who's always getting the ball, um, it just makes the, the Panthers' defense, uh, sorry, Panthers' attack a little bit easier to defend against because you can just run a back rower all day long at Cleary. Mm-hmm. Cleary's going to be good enough to handle it, but it just means that he's only drawing one defender. Yeah, and, and on top of that, it's like around the ruck, which is the most important part of the field to attack, you're not attacking whatsoever. And, no. and no team can win like that, you know. So um, they need to make changes. And the problem is that every coach plays it safe. And there's very few coaches that can adapt their team style of play to the personnel they've got. And that is willing to throw people into the, you know, to a very good team and, and let them sink or swim. either good enough or you're not. And that's why Craig Bellamy is the best coach of all time, because he does that. He's augmented his teams to styles of play, to losing play, great players, some of the best players of all time. We, there's a reason why we laugh about either Melbourne Storm will have a handful of kids that will be international players in six months' time. We don't even know because he does that. Yeah. You know, even you look at someone like a Nico Hines who is now playing halfback at the Sharks and Dally M winner. Um you know, the reason that he got his start is because Craig Bellamy said sink or swim, threw him out there, uh, didn't didn't play him 10 minutes here and there, you know. Uh, and, and Ivan Cleary needs to do that because everyone else is getting better. Everyone else is – that's one thing I'll say about this season. The, the referees have been terrible, but the teams are all – even the West Tigers, you can't look at the West Tigers and say they're not physically prepared. Every team is physically prepared to go the 80 minutes. No, no look, I've, and I've said on you previously, like the, the Tigers' ability to make metres up the field in their first three or four tackles mm. is up there with some of the best teams in the comp. Mm-hmm. That's not where they're struggling. It's the decision-making of plays at the very end of the set to, to turn that good good ball running, turning that into points. Yeah. That's what's letting them down. One thing that did cap... Um, my attention, I guess, in that in this game too, is how Cleary did so much kicking, mm-hmm. but how so little of his kicks actually resulted in getting the ball back. So, mm. twenty four kicks were made by the the Panthers. Cleary made twenty of them. Mm-hmm. Luai two, two O and Peachy one each. Mm-hmm. Two O and Peachy's one kick each, forced a dropout. Yeah. They were the only two forced dropouts for the game. There were yeah. six bombs and four grubbers. Luai, Tuo, and Peachy all put in a grubber. Cleary only had one grubber, six bombs, and the rest were just long kicks. That's ridiculously pedestrian in wet weather. Mm-hmm. Why they've only got four grubbers in wet weather footy? How could they only get two forced dropouts? The Tigers had a bunch more from memory. Yeah. Yeah, look, Nathan Cleary's kicking game has been just not good all year. Um, 
even when he puts a bomb up, you feel like it, it drops about 10 metres shorter than it should. You know, he, he doesn't, he's not putting enough pressure with his long kicking game on opposition teams. And, it, you know, that's a problem, you know. Um, that They've got some things to work on. I I know that they're missing players, but, you know, there's players out there still that are premiership winners. Most of them are still premiership winners. Um, there's, look, the outside backs I can't fault. I think the outside backs for the most part, but apart from Crichton, who's been hot and cold this year, but the rest of the outside backs have done a tremendous job this year. I think Dylan Edwards has been, you know, just Dylan Edwards. Um, I think most of the forwards have been pretty good, but there's not enough attack. There's nothing out of dummy half. Kick, clear his kicking game isn't good enough, and they need to fix it because nobody, you're not guaranteed or assured or anything like that of anything in rugby league, and that's why I love it. You know, you, you can be the best team in the world. If you don't turn up, you get your ass kicked. That's why it's a great sport. So they either turn it around or, or they're going to have a – they're not going to get their third straight title. And there's a chance to do some history-making shit this year. And they need to want to do that. Exactly. And look, it's not all doom and gloom for the Panthers either. They still have comfortably the best defence in the – league it's not even it's not even a close competition that they are miles better than the next best team yeah um and they they are still in the top eight yeah it's not like they're going poorly they're just going poorly for penrith of the last three years four years you Mm -hmm. know um but it won't take much to change this up it's only little tweaks here and there mostly in attack yeah and they'll be out for thrashing teams again with ease um so hopefully for the sake of the Panthers anyway, this loss to the Tigers has made them realise where their weaknesses are because the Tigers aren't playing a very expansive or overall threatening game when it comes to point scoring. Yeah. What they do have, though, is, as I said, great ball running through the middle. They've got pretty decent defence in the middle of the field as well. Um, And as like... Penrith haven't paid any attention to whatever it was the Tigers were doing this year, and they had no idea what their strengths and weaknesses were. So they just went out, turned up, and just went through the motions and lost. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that too many times from Penrith. You know, too many games where we've watched and it's been like, what are they doing? You know, and you just feel like they don't want the game as much as the opposition does. And I, I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, if they're if they're not the most talented team in the league, they're like one of the top three most talented teams in the league. Um, they should be beating most teams at their best. And when you lose to the worst place team in the competition, no, nah, it's, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Right. Well, we've got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Let's get on to other facts. Other stories have been going on in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, what have we got here? I, I've been hearing a lot of talk about um, sin binnings. Yeah. And a bit of people complain about sin binnings. Oh, the sin bin's been used too much. Blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. Yes. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the sin bin gets used as much as it wants to if it gets the desired result, and that is to get players to clean up a certain part of the game. That's that's the purpose of the thing. Um, but I, I've spent the last two weeks... Mm-hmm. Um, completing as, as much research as I possibly could into the amount of sin bins 
um, that have been dished out mm-hmm. since I started in 1981. And I've put up a graph. It's on, on my Twitter account. You can have a look there at the average number of sin bins per game. And it's a it's an astonishing thing to look at. Mm-hmm. So it never the average per game never gets to one. Okay. It's always under one. So we're looking at very small fractions. So it's not huge. But the most it was getting used was between, say, 1985 and 1989, when we had both the five-minute sin bin and the 10-minute sin bin both in play. Mm-hmm. Then pretty sharp decline in 92, a jump back up in 94, 95, when actually 1995 it was, when we had four new teams come in. Yep. That usually means as a... Um, yeah, you know, a spreading out of the talent when you get that many teams come in and a bunch of people who probably wouldn't normally get NRL, you know, first grade game time mm-hmm. are all being becoming regular first graders. And so the quality of play was down. Yeah. Um, so it spiked up there in 95 uh, and then very quickly came down. And then the dramatic underuse of the sin bin from about 1998, 99, all the way through to 2016, is insane. Mm. So we'll go on a numbers basis. Around, around 80, 88, 89, going off the top of my head, there was probably about 130, 140 sin bins for the year. By the time we got to about 2012, it was down to about 25, 30. Mm-hmm. That's just sin, all sin bins. That's it for the year. One around on average, as opposed to almost one a game. Um. And then 2016 into 2017. The end of 2016, we started to see a bit of an increase. Um, 2017, we saw it jump up a bit. And then 2018 was when they had the massive crackdown on the ruck. Yeah. And Simbins went soaring. And then all the media complained about it. And then for the next two years, it dropped off. And then we had the whole drama with Magic Round in 2021. Yeah. It went up again came down last year a little bit and this year it's almost at the absolute highest it's ever been back in 1988. Yeah, it's interesting. I Look, I, I think the refereeing from the first game I watched this year has been atrocious. Really, really bad. The referees won't get out the way of the game and it's a real shame because the teams are playing their asses off and we've got a really close competition this year. But the referees just are getting involved over and over again. And we're seeing so many tick-tack fouls. And I think we are seeing some ridiculous sin binnings, personally. Got a question um, for you on that before you go any further. Okay. How much of it do you think is impacted by the bunker being in their ear? I think I think just on sin bins alone, I would say 35% of them are the bunker, at the very least. Yeah, I'm starting to think that the the bunker is having too big a say in their ear because we are seeing um, petty shit yeah. being penalised when it shouldn't do and hadn't done in the past. I'm going to say petty. I'm talking about like really tiny, minor things that really don't impact on the play. There was no foul play. It just felt like... Accidents. Yeah. Um, where, like... And I understand sometimes you do get sin bin for an accident, but uh, it's so many silly things where it's obvious that the referee is sending a guy off 
and he's relaying what the video ref is telling him happened to the to the captain of the play that's getting sent to the sin bin. Yeah. Um, it's so many things. That, and I think when you add those sin binnings to some of the six again calls are absolutely atrocious. And, you know, it's it's I think all up the referees are having a really detrimental impact on the season. Um, and sin binnings is part of that. You know, we've seen players getting in head clashes and being sent to the bin. Anything can be called a fucking hip drop. I don't know what hip drops all of a sudden. You know what hip drops come out of? Hip drops come out of people hurting their ankles and their knees and shit playing rugby league, which has happened since the first game of rugby league ever. And, yeah. it's, and it's this accidents happen and but everyone needs to blame someone else. So we're going, oh, it's a fucking hip drop tackle. I, I get the wanting to crack down on it. I, I don't get why they should be getting sin binned. Okay, I'd penalise it or set restart, whatever you want to do. That I'm fine with that. I don't see why you should be getting sin binned for it because, I don't know, it just... It seems ridiculous. How many times have we seen players get hit in the head or get hit in the face with a tackle? As, and it didn't hurt them. Like, mm. it wasn't a swinging arm. It wasn't a stiff arm. It might have been a slap across the face or something like that. And they've just gone, oh, yeah, I felt that. But they get up and they keep playing on because it wasn't that bad. And that's fine. I'm, I fully agree with that, you know, playing on if they if they if that's what the ref wants. And the players are fine to do it um, by all means. But we see that happen a lot. And it, it carries on. And nothing happens out of it. And then, you know, five minutes down the line, someone gets put on report and you go, what the fuck was that for? Yeah. Um, there, was a couple the in that Panth- there was a couple in the Panthers-Tigers game. There was one where um, uh, there was a Panthers player, was, and it was later in the game, and he, he got an old-fashioned coat hanger. And I was like, well, that's a send-off, just about. Like, that's, mm. a, that's the 10 in the bin by any standards I've ever watched the game by, and it was just fine. And it was like, hang on a second, he's... The the trajectory of his entire body was stopped by his neck. Yes. Isn't if we're not sending that to the bin, how are we sending, you know, plays? I mean, there was a guy that was almost sent to the bin this week, uh, and it, it, he barely, like, just cut the hair of the opposition <laughs> player. <laughs> well, I mean, we saw the the peak of the absurdity of of the the high tackle stuff. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was Manly playing against Brisbane. Mm. And Martin Tapau was running down chasing a kick. And Reese uh, Walsh tripped and fell. And his head was about six inches off the ground. And it collided with Martin Tapau's shin as Tapau was trying to evade him. And Tapau got penalised. Yeah, yeah. And gone, what more can he do? It's, yeah, not, even and... a, it's not even an accident. I mean, He's, it's not. A, I think he got pinged for recklessness or something. Going, he's trying to avoid a collision. Yeah, and the thing that gets me is you, you get people that that don't like to hear the phrase like, "Oh, what's he supposed to do? Disappear, right?" Yeah, but it, it's at some point like, like he was legitimately trying to disappear. <laughs> yeah, that's all he could have done. <laughs> it's like he's like, "Well, Reese is flying up my ankles. I've got to press the button, disappear, turn into the vision, and let him like." Go through, yeah. Because, um, I mean, the, another one that just strikes me, and I can't remember who it was against. I just remember it was Jarabaria Hargraves because he's one of those players that, because of the style he played at for a long time in his career, the refs will always look at him 
you know, more more sternly, I guess, and mm-hmm. hit him a bit harder with penalties and stuff like that. There's players like that in every team, I guess. Yeah. But he he was setting himself down low to make a, a typical tackle where, you know, he's leading with his shoulder, not doing a shoulder charge. He's square on. But you always lead with your shoulder in when you're going to make a tackle. You put your arms yeah. out, but your shoulder's taking the blow. Yeah. But his arms are down by his waist. Mm-hmm. And he's lunging forward, about to make the tackle. His hands are still down by his waist. And the player tripped and fell. And their forehead hit his hand. Mm-hmm. And he got 10 in the bin. I was like, what the fuck for? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not, you, you can't even say it's reckless. He's not, he's not even moving his hand in any direction towards the player. The player's yeah. tripped and fell into him. Why does he get penalised for that? It's, it's just because of who he is. And... It's stupid shit like that 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 needs to you, – you can't just use a black and white rule on it all the time. And we're starting to see that that's what they're doing with a lot of head knocks. Is It's a black and white rule. And yeah. you and I are very strong advocates on the whole, you know, we've got to look after the head and the CTE issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that comes down to when something's done and it's intentional aiming the head – don't give them three or four weeks. Make that punishment fucking hard so they go, yeah. okay, I won't do that again. But yeah, when it's a, a blatant accident like that, you can't penalise it. It's just shit happens sometimes. Exactly. And, like, I think it's a reaction by people that are either in the administration or that are getting um, feedback from people outside of rugby league circles that they say, oh, I don't like it when players get hurt. I really hate it. And so... Anytime someone gets hurt, we stop everything and we're like, okay, let's look for a way that we can penalise or send a player off on the opposition team. And, you know, the, the easiest way to stop injuries in rugby league is being rugby league. You know, <laughs> it, it really is. There's a, it's the only way. Because yeah. if you play rugby league and never get hit in an illegal tackle, you're going to get hurt at some point. Just fucking running the ball at a bunch of other people. It hurts. Like... So, uh, you know, when if you're if you're going to freak out every time somebody does an ankle or a knee, go and watch something else because this ain't the sport for you. And I yeah. know that sounds it sounds old fashioned and Neanderthal and all that shit, and that's fine. But I'm just being honest because players are going to break legs, they're going to break arms, they're going to dislocate shoulders, they're going to break their jaw, and they can do all of that shit in completely legal tackles because it's a rough-ass sport. It is. It's a tough sport. Yeah. And now I'm going to segue. Excellent. Hamish McLennan. The war of words continues. Who's that? He's the bloke that almost ran Channel 10 into the ground and now he's trying to run rugby Australia into the ground. All right. His name is Hamish. Hamish McLennan. Hamish McLennan. He's got a quote. Okay, what's his quote? And we we need to pull it apart. Okay. League talks about toughness, but I reckon an arm wrestle at the pub would harder than their scrums. Mm-hmm. Let's have a competition between the two best sides and see who's tougher. Now, yes, I did say that right. He did say an arm wrestle at the pub would harder than their scrums. Would harder than. Okay. Yeah. So the person who wrote the news article had to put the word B in brackets. So it says okay. would be harder than their scrums. All right. Yeah, um, so he reckons that because the scrum mm. in rugby league, which was never meant 
well, especially now in the 80s and 90s anyway, it's not meant to be a contest. It's meant to be get the fucking forwards out of the way and let the heart, let the backs have a go on their own. Yeah. Whereas in rugby union, a scrum is something that is integral to play. It's very important. It's like 75% of the game. It's it's pretty vital. Mm. Um, so, and mostly because not just scrums, but every time someone gets tackled, they turn basically turn it into a scrum. As you know, if it was a league player, I'm oh, sorry, if it was a league fan who hadn't watched Union before was looking at it, that's what they'd see. Yeah. Why have they got scrums all the time on here? So yeah, not being a flippant at all here, but Union is designed for the forwards to be constantly scrummaging. So yeah, they're going to make sure that their scrums mean something. League is about having open play. So if there's an opportunity where they can put all the forwards in the side of the field somewhere and let the backs have a go without the forwards in the way, then, yeah, they'll have a scrum. They won't have much in it. That's what it's about, having open attacking football. Is this is this the same, like, union game that's supposed to be really tough that uh, every single rugby league player that has ever signed has walked straight into a test team? Is that the one? Yeah, that's the one. The one um, where Yeston Harris, I think he played rugby union for like, I think it was 34 minutes, and then he got picked for the Welsh. That, that's Welsh the one. Track, that one? That's the one. And for a bloke who's constantly okay. trying to lure league players yeah. into rugby union, what better way than saying that you're all soft, soft cocks? Is, is he, he's the same <laughs> like, bloke. You're, you're so soft, you can't play rugby union. But please, come play rugby union. We need you to help save our game. <laughs> he's the same guy that spent like, Something like five and a half million dollars on a teenager from Penrith to play rugby union. That's the rugby league player. Is that the guy? Uh, yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. He's his a, name's Hamish. Yeah, his name's Hamish. All Mc, right. McLennan. Okay. Yeah. Um, Hamish. Yeah, Hamish. Fuck, he's, eh? He's, he's, he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so apparently that's what it's all about. He's... Um, well, their scrums are better, so therefore their game must be better. Mm. I haven't seen a bunch of rugby union forwards these days. Well, I was going to say, you know, have you seen like the the free to wear TV ratings for league versus union? Is, oh, is rugby you, union on free to wear? I was going to say that was the point. Oh, you can't because no one no one on free to wear TV cares yeah. about rugby union. It's weird when people immediately talk like go to comparisons and it's a pub. Well, you know, that's that's where you have to go to watch rugby union now because that's where the you know it's where the pay T V is, isn't it? Is it on I don't think it's on Fox. I think it's on Stan. It's on Stan, yeah. A channel nine streaming thing. Who the fuck has Stan? And even when I'll tell you what, I've got Stan on it because my work paid for it for a year. But um You've got Stan. That's embarrassing, Andrew. Well, the other thing too, and the, pretty much the entire reason why I have it is it's got Thomas the Tank Engine on there. Oh, really? Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. Thomas Tank Engine's worth paying for. But he fucking goes off. Except when they got rid of the fat controller. Oh no, no, no! He's still there. They just they just got all PC and they called him by his actual name. What's his name? Sir Topham Hat. I wish you had a said Hamish. <laughs> it, He's a, he does look very Hamish. I, I almost had you saying Hamish and almost had you saying wet-ass pussy. I was so close. So I tried. close. You tried. I'm, I'm trying to keep the integrity somewhere. I don't yeah. know where. <laughs> yeah, we can't, we can't be saying wet-ass pussy on the podcast. No, no. 
It won't, it won't go over well. No, probably we've not. just we've tried to stay cunt a whole lot less as well. Yeah. And because uh, you know when you say cunt too much, it just becomes a problem. So don't say cunt, Andrew. Yeah, you've got to refrain from that one. Yeah. Yeah, you won't you won't coax me to say cunt. Um. So the, yeah, that was that was a uh, that was the, an entertaining piece, an entertaining way to start May. Yeah, that was interesting. Um. Well, I tell you what, like, it's weird that this that rugby union guy, Hamish, his name's Hamish. It's weird that he. It's the only way I can get any publicity is Hamish saying stuff. So good luck to Hamish. Probably eating fucking smelly cheese somewhere right now in North Sydney. No, he'd be on with the haggis or something, wouldn't he? With a name like Hamish. Hamish McLennan. You can't. You can't be saying stuff like that, Ferguson. <laughs> hey, I'm allowed to roast you profile my own people. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's funny. <laughs> um. What else was there? Oh, apparently, the West Tigers have signed some 26-year-old utility back from mm-hmm. Queensland. Mm-hmm. And um, Queensland Maroons? No, just the Queensland Cup. Ah, oh, shit. But the news, some people were suggesting that it was going to put pressure on Luke Brooks. Um, and, and did you see what Mal Meninga said? I'm going to get to what Mal Meninga okay. said. Okay. This is this is this is leading to the segue. Okay. But anyway, I said, um, I don't think the club has any plan to pressure Brooks to do anything except sign contract extensions and upgrades. This utility back that's signed is basically to cover Adam Dewey because he's not going to be around until probably round one 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Mel Meninga. Mel's, Mel's been a bit docile of late. Love well, Mel as a player, but I man, he, he said some dumb shit of late. I think he listens to the podcast. <laughs> There you go, Mal. Um, yeah. Here's Mal's quote. If Ricky can get the best out of Luke Brooks, it would be a cheap buy. <laughs> and there's still least plenty in the cap to look, up, look at other options. So it could be an astute buy. Now, first of all, mm-hmm. let, let's let's start with the obvious part there. Brooks is on over a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. It ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. Um so it wouldn't leave plenty in the cap to look at other options. It leaves nothing in the cap for any other options. No. Um, then there's the next one. If Ricky can get the best out of Luke Brooks. Well, we joked about this a couple of weeks ago. How we Ricky Stewart gets a half back and he, he absolutely destroys them because he tries to make them play like Ricky Stewart. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to get the best out of any half back. He just, he never has, he never will. No, he he doesn't try and squeeze that lemon. He just lets it rot. Yeah. Um, I think I'll be honest. Luke Brooks would work next to Jamal Fogarty, but he needs a good hooker and a skillful fullback. And I, I think I think Luke Brooks is done. I he he is, but that's what I'm getting at. The only way you can make him work is you have to have three other spine members with him who will do the majority of the play calling and setting things up. Luke Brooks is one of those players now where he just needs to be a six who does what he feels like when he when the ball is given to him. He's an extremely expensive Sean Rudder. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. 
Am I fucking wrong? No. <laughs> he just needs a world-class hooker and a world-class fullback and a world-class halfback. That's it. That's it. Can't, can't defend as well as Sean Rudder did, to be fair. Right. But... I, look, I look, to be honest, he's got more skill than Sean Rudder. Yeah, definitely. But he just he can't he can't organise for shit. Just less of an impact on the football field than Sean Rudder had. That's fine. Sean Rudder was a serviceable player. <laughs> I think he won a premiership, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking a pretty good player. <laughs> You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the only way it's going to work. But we've seen, we've seen Ricky Stewart get, say, test halfback. Mm-hmm. And make him so bad that he wanted to go back to England. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's pretty bad. So maybe they're thinking the other way around. What if we get a bad halfback? You can't make bad worse. Maybe Ricky, through his own actions, can actually make Luke Brooks become good. And if that's the case, well, why wait until he's 28 years old? <laughs> <laughs> his development um, has ceased, so he's not going to get worse. Um, I, You know that Canberra is going to do something stupid with the money they've got now. They are, but I don't. I don't think they've gone that stupid before. Like that's, we can joke as much as we like, but I don't think they've gone. They signed that, an English halfback. Yes, but at least he played Test football. Like, yeah, what, but they signed an English halfback. Yes, yes. They signed an English hooker. Yes. They re they re signed fucking Croker. That that's that's on a different level. Um. The other two, and I know you don't like them, but if I had to choose between spending $1.2 million on either Luke Brooks, George Williams, or Josh Hodgson, I'm not spending that money on Luke Brooks. No, I think I'd agree, hey? So that's it, what I'm saying is they've, they've, they've made bad decisions in the past, but they've never gone this far bad. I they've think no, this is they've too never gone far. full West Tigers, is what yeah, you're saying. Right. They've never gone full Tigers. That's too far down the list. There's only one club I know or two clubs I know of, okay, at the moment, mm-hmm. that would be mad enough to make that decision. Mm-hmm. The Titans and the Dragons. I was gonna say Titans. I don't think the Dragons, because the Dragons don't recruit anyone. No, well um, they they don't but they would be the only two clubs. And the Dragons aren't gonna buy Luke Brooks because they've got Ben Hunt. And yeah. they are well aware that Hunt is better than Luke Brooks. Yeah, you would hope so, anyway. And Ben Hunt will be better than Luke Brooks in 13 years' time. Yes. I, I think that, yeah, the tight, he, he, he'd fit in well at the Titans. Oh, you could, I could see them getting him and being like, we got him in a bargain. We got him for 800000 Yeah, cheaper than Ash Taylor. Yeah, yeah. It's deep, seriously, we got him on a bargain. I can't believe that they re-signed for feeder. <laughs> How fucking dumb are they? They get out from under his contract, and they fucking they they're like, nah, we want more of that. So dumb. Mm. So, yeah, I don't think Canberra will go to him. No, um, I don't think they will either. They're just smart enough to be going. You know what? I don't think that's the right idea. They're just smart enough. Just. Yeah. Um, besides, the Tigers will be doing everything they can to re-sign Brooks. They've made it pretty clear, the fucking idiots running the show, how important yeah. Brooks is and they want him to be a one-club one player. If At I the was, moment, Brooks is in a situation where even if he wants to leave, they won't let him. If I was Luke Brooks, I'd be going to them this week and saying, listen, let's let's get this speculation out the way. Let me just re-sign. You saw how it played on the weekend. 
and and just re-sign for another 1.2 over the oh, next. Man, I'd be saying, you know what, Summer Cup went up by a fair whack. <laughs> Let's be honest. If you put in for a dispensation to get the money for Adam Dewey taken out of the cap because he's not going to play for 15 months, I'll do a one-year contract extension. Right. I'll just take that money you would give to do. I'll just take that on my contract as well, and I can be the first $2 million a player, $2 million a year player. And um, I can I can kick 40 20s all day. You saw me do it against the best team in, well, not the world anymore, but Australia. For the well, the world. Years. The world. But trial well, games don't count. <laughs> but the, yeah. the defending premiers, two years yeah. straight, I banged. I mean, I made the test halfback look like shit. Yes. That's how good I am. So, you know, if he's on 1.5 a year, I'm clearly better than him. So I need to be on more than him. That's and my I, argument. And Pascal will sit there and go, hmm, that makes a lot of sense. And we back, in, we back end the deal. Chairman Lee goes, mm-hmm. one year, mate, what you did to Penrith was pretty impressive. We want you to be doing that every game for the next five years. So how's about we give you... $2.5 million every year for, for the next five years. And while they say that, Luke Brooks is already still under the fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes to Chairman Lee and he goes, first of all, Chairman, that hat, wow, really <laughs> striking. You don't look stupid at all. Not, um, not in the slightest. In let, fact, let's back. Makes you look younger. That, yeah. You look hip. You look hip <laughs> in your fucking. So anyway. Let's you remind me of some of the cool dudes that I hang out with. Yeah, yeah, you look really cool. Everyone looks cool that needs a special hat, don't they? Yeah, um, not, not just normal cool, K-E-W cool. Yes. Yeah. He says, let's do four years, we back end it, but then we, we align salary cap increases with the deal as well. That's mm. a financial deal for the for the West Tigers. They'd, they'd sign up for that because they're stupid. Yeah, just they, they'd be done. They, they'll take that. By the end of that deal, at four years, they're paying him like $2.5 million. <laughs> By the time Luke Brooks is 35 and decides to retire, begrudgingly, yeah, he'll have made more money out in rugby league than any any player ever has. Oh, shit. Richest man in rugby league history. Crazy. Um, I saw a thing where Phil Gould was whinging about the salary cap and uh, said we needed we needed to make changes. Because Phil Good's never happy. Because if, if he was happy, he wouldn't get a chance to whinge in the media, you know. So he was whinging about the salary cap and talking about we need a draft again. A draft? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he's an idiot. <laughs> oh, don't need a draft. We've got teams that make have their own junior pathways. Yeah. Imagine how well it would have gone for the Bulldogs if they had of if the salary cap had have been different and we had have had a draft in place, you know, they, well, they wouldn't have got kick out from the Panthers. They wouldn't have got Burton. Well, you the know, dumb the, thing about the, the draft, that the, the one that they did get up back in, what was it, 1991? Yeah. Was it had very little to do with local juniors. Mm-hmm. It had everything to do with players who were coming off contract and if they weren't signed by a certain point, they were free agents and they went into the draft. And then they'd get signed by whichever club wanted them. Mm. Right, they're in a pool. Some club would sign them, whether they wanted to go to that team or not. So that's that's how Terry Hill broke it. Because Terry mm. Hill got signed by the Roosters. 
but did mm-hmm. not want to move there because he just bought himself a place out in the uh, western suburbs. He was, I think he was, started his career out in, for the Magpies. Mm-hmm. And after his second year, he had enough money, put a deposit down for a house. He was about to get married. He's got, I've just bought myself a house out here. I don't want to go and play for the Roosters. I've got to mm-hmm. drive from Campbelltown all the way into Bondi just for training. I do that three times a week. I've got to go there and play games as well and do all some stuff. So I'm not I'm not on a big salary. I can't afford to do that. Mm. And people are like, well, he's making a pretty valid point. Like, why are we forcing him to play for a team he doesn't want to play for? Mm. So they went, yeah, we might have to scrap it. So this is the thing. Everyone talks about how we've got to have a draft. We need to bring back a draft. Let's have a draft, but this time we'll do it better or we'll do it differently. But no one's ever put down how a new draft would work. That would be fair to both the player, especially the player, mm. and the club. Well, it's, it's the same thing where people say, oh, we need a trade window. It's like, okay, just, what do you mean? We just it's, don't. But, that, but they, they don't ever say what they mean by a trade window. And they'll say, well, you shouldn't be able to sign ahead of time. You should have it at the end of the year. It's like, okay, so you know how that works, don't you? You, you sign your deal in secret, and then it gets everyone knows that you've moved into this club next year anyway, and then a date ticks over and you get signed at midnight when the date ticks over and everyone says, oh, that all worked great. It's silliness. Um, and the, the trade draft. window is exactly the same as what we currently got, except it's just got locked in dates. You still get exactly the same issue that they complain about, and that is people playing, you know, signing for a club in two years' time. They've got a whole year to play with the current club, knowing they're not going to be there anymore. Who's they've still interested about that, by the way? Well, like, they've still got this mindset of, oh, if he's not going to be playing for the club after this year, Oh, sorry, after next year, why would he put in? He knows he's got another club to go to. That's their attitude. And going, yeah, but why would a player not put in? They don't realise that a player's not going to sit there and just tank for a year because he knows he's got a contract he can go to at another club. Mm. Any player who tanks for one year is doing themselves a disservice because no club's going to hire him if they know that they're going to play like shit for a year at the end of every contract. Yeah, like worst-case scenario, if... A player wants to move to another club the following year, but that club has space now, salary cap space now, and they've got a place in their top 30 right now, and the club that he's currently at is happy to let him go. You could let him go immediately, right? Yeah. Um, But I, I just can't believe that anyone, people are still whinging about this. Like, but just fucking get over it. It's been going on for fucking 20 years. Like, yeah. Just shut the fuck up at some point. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah. Because even in a trade window, you know, for this year, you still get players being signed for 2025 to different clubs and they're still going to play 2024 for the club they're in. So a trade window doesn't fix that. It doesn't change anything. The only thing it changes is you're making all of those decisions at a specific part of the year instead of over the course of a year. And if clubs like Canberra, who are the biggest critic of it at the moment because they've lost one player. Yeah. Um, there's a solution to that, and that is make your player feel like they want it at the club, give them a contract extension, talk with them. If they don't want to be there, then they're going to say no to everything and they're going to leave. Mm. Simple as that. You can't force them to stay. That's just not how it works. It's just stupid. Mm. You can't sit there and suck because you lose a player. Every fucking club loses players, especially their elite players. Yeah, They all go somewhere. Every club's lost them. So you're not special, Canberra. It's, you're not the one being picked on. Every club loses them. 
They really do think they're special, though. Just ask them. Oh, it's just... It's fucking... The amount of... I understand they're frustrated and they're upset that they've lost, you know, a key player. Fine. You know, we all go through that. It's very annoying when it happens. But you know what? The carry-on that they've gone on with... Like, there's a thing on, on social media, I think it might have been on Instagram, and they had, like, three screenshots of their complaint about how upset they are about the fact that they lost Whiten mm. and their issues with the whole system. Like, just fucking settle down, will you? Apparently, Ricky Stewart was crying in the press conference, like, literally crying about losing Jack Whiten, hey? Well, the dumb thing, too, and we'll go back to Mel Meningas, he's coming out there and saying, oh, I don't think, I don't think um, Jack Whiten respects the club and he's not shown any loyalty to the club. And I'm going, that's Rich coming from you, Mal, currently working at the Gold Coast Titans. Yeah, it's and, <laughs> and by the way, this is rugby league. This is a sport that was literally created so that players could maximise their earning potential. <laughs> like that's what the entire sport fucking exists for. It's, it's, I mean, it's pro- what professionalism is everywhere. Yeah. And imagine, it, like, imagine, Whiten, look, Whiten look at the NBA. The well, Whiten went to the club and he said, "Listen, I'm going to test the market." but I'm going to give you every chance to re-sign me, okay? And they're like, fine, cool. We're really happy that you're testing the market. So test the market, comes back. And they say, we want to give you this much money. He's like, fuck that shit, I'm going south. Yeah. Like, what What more did they want out of him? I'm not a Jack White fan. You know, I think he's fucking overrated. But um, what did they want him to do? And the fact of the matter is they wanted him to re-sign with them. Yeah, and it's like you don't always get what you want. Nope. Nope, that's exactly right. No club does. Mm. I mean, did we hear Craig Bellamy kicking up a stink about how many forwards did he lose in the offseason? He lost basically all his forward pack. Yeah. Did we hear him kick up a stink? Nope. Nope. Why? Because he's a professional. He knows that this is how the fucking game works. Yeah, I don't just, know why Ricky Stewart doesn't fucking get the message. You just get on with it. Yeah. Imagine your fucking coach crying in front of a press conference a week and a half after you've signed next year to leave the club. Like, go and go and see someone, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, he's getting in some real emotional seabolt areas so now. So weird. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I think when it comes to Mel Meninga's comments, um, he should take a leaf out of his own book when he tried to be a politician where he said, I'm buggered, I'm sorry, and just walk away. <laughs> that was the most truthful thing a politician ever said oh, in yeah. Australia. As hey? a politician, Mel Meninga, Unbelievable. 100%, 100% perfection. Yeah, yeah. He nailed the whole process. If only they the all did politician. that. Yeah. Um. Now, a few other, a few little thing here. Um, Campbell Graham's third try last weekend for South brought up fifty thousand points scored in all first grade games in Queensland since nineteen eighty eight. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. That was a good stat. Mm. Um, now the NRL at the moment are going on about Wayne Bennett this week, yes. coaching his nine hundredth game. Yes. Now, if you were to check out Rugby League Project, you'd see on there that we've got him down as having coached eight hundred ninety seven games. Now, where is the difference? Where is the difference being lost on the NRL? 
So the two games difference, back in 2020, rounds 13 and 14, Wayne Bennett, this is during lockdown, if you remember right. We had all the bubbles stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Wayne Bennett went out for lunch. I remember that. What a what a bastard. Mm, he went out for lunch. Yeah. And he was, this is the official word now, he was put in isolation for two weeks and fined a fuck ton of money. I think it might have been 20 grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jason Demetrio took over the um, the train the coaching for all the training sessions and the game day um, coaching duties as well. Okay. For those two games. Mm-hmm. So on Rugby League Project, we've gone well. If Wayne Bennett was in his house and not allowed to leave, and Demetrio was doing all of the coaching, basically, um, that would make Demetrio the coach on his own for those two games. Yes. And Bennett not a coach at all for those two games. That seems accurate to me. That seems logical? Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, it wasn't your story. It was their story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The narrative coming from the NRL is that Bennett wasn't suspended. He was made to do isolation as per the New South Wales Health Department. But if he wasn't there... How could he coach them? That's right. So you may find um, we're, we're not inclined to change that at this stage. Yeah, yeah. Have you just got in contact with the NRL about it? Um, Sort of indirectly. Okay. So, yeah, we work with League Unlimited. League Unlimited were told about it by the NRL. Okay. Um. Is there an, uh, another game that's in dispute? Um, not that I'm aware of. I okay. know that other ones have been raised. So things like I think Ricky Stewart got suspended for a game. Mm-hmm. Everyone's in a grants over that one. I mean, the, was... the, the NRL is basically saying that Wayne Bennett just being employed by the club, that all of their wins get accounted to him. But that's not how it works. Well, not just wins, it's all the games. So that's the thing. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it doesn't make sense. No, it's like it, a coach is you've got to be there coaching. You're not just – it's not just a figurehead. It's not just someone that, you know, you're not Michael Hagen. Yeah. Who's just pretending. It's and his actual – this actual coaching needs done. There has been instances in the past, and they're very rare, where yeah. a coach has got sick on game day or the day before – Ivan Fury was one. Yeah, and so they've not fronted it up to the press conference and they haven't run the team on the actual game day. But they're still as being coached because they were running everything that the team was doing for the whole week leading up to the game. Okay, yep, yep. There's not a great deal of strategy stuff that goes on on actual game day. All of that prep work is done in the week before. Yeah. So he still gets credited with being the coach for that game, but the person who stands in and runs the team on the day also gets listed as the coach. Yeah. So, you know, on that occasion, they'll have two coaches. The regular coach and the assistant coach will get a coaching credit. That's I'm what we do. I'm surprised Shane Flanagan hasn't got in touch with you and says, hey, you've got me down for a year where I wasn't coaching the side and I was because <laughs> I was in front of my PC the whole time. <laughs> um, well, we're waiting on that email. <laughs> It'll get filed under spam. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, that's the uh, the beauty of being independent, I guess. Yeah, independence is is amazing, isn't it? Because you can just yeah. tell everyone to fuck off. 
<laughs> we'll see how that goes. But they're still pushing that narrative. Um, I'll, I think we'll find that people will be uh, sort of questioning them over that. And then they've got to make some judgment I call over. Is there really a difference between being made to stay at home and pay a $20,000 fine or actually being suspended? Remember when it was a crime to go out and have lunch? Wasn't that a wonderful time? Yeah. Um, well, I was still allowed to go out. Yeah, because you were an essential. Yeah, I was essential. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that was that was a crazy time. It was. Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to move on from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else have we got in here? There was, was something there, else, I'm sure. Th- there was a little bit of a... A little bit of something put out by the NRL today where they said, you know what, we're not going to rule out a second Melbourne team. when we. Ah, uh, yes, that one. Mm. That needs to be spoken about. Mm. I thought that was interesting because I think you and me have talked about this before. Yes. Um, so the NRL is investigating a prospect of having a second team in Victoria. Um, so my point on this was a second in Victoria is dumb. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more than Vlandy's attacking AFL, let's okay. be honest. That's all he's doing. Um, the reason why it's dumb is because the Storm have been around since 98. Yes. And there's just, they've had, what, three, I think three Melbourne-born players have made it into the NRL side since 1998. So the yeah. pathways are from junior football into the NRL is just not good enough. And if no. they can only get three in that time... Why would you put another team down here? All they're going to be is a financial drain. They're not targeting a growing market of juniors. Mm -hmm. So what they need to do is have a team in a place where there is a lot of juniors but no NRL side, say like, I don't know, Perth. Mm -hmm. But Dave Riccio, who wrote this article, his mates shat all over Perth having a team because, you know, the nines played in the summer had a lowish crowd. Yeah. These same idiots who shout over that small crowd for the nines wink furiously over how great it is to have the same size crowd as the Sydney suburban venues. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Melbourne's the, the second biggest city in Australia and I don't know much about the makeup of Melbourne and I do that on purpose. But... I, I can see where you could make an a financial argument that, you know, if 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 it works financially for the NRL to have a second team in Melbourne, but it had it would have to be signed off on by the Storm, unless the Storm said, look, we're, we we turn away sponsors and we're very very secure with our crowds and and all that sort of thing. I wouldn't even look at it twice, um, and I don't think they would do that personally, but. My feeling is that you'd have a team towards Geelong. I could be wrong about that. Um, but Well, that's the only way you can make it work because you've got to go to another much larger regional centre. Yeah, and Geelong's exactly. the only other major big one they've got. Yeah. Um, but the way I look at it, and I know it's two different sports, but if we take a simplistic view of it, okay, mm-hmm. just how well has the second Sydney team gone in the AFL in Sydney? Because to uh, me, that's the, it's the same thing as putting a second rugby league team in Melbourne. It's a very good point. That second AFL team, like it's just nothing. That I can't believe it's still yeah. there. What it is is it's a financial drain on the AFL. Yeah. Okay. And this is going to sound like I'm defending the rest of AFL, and to a degree, it probably is. But what I hate 
is when a decision is made like that. Okay, and the AFL made two in a row. Okay, they put one in the Gold Coast and that second team in Sydney. And both of those were done not because they had a, a huge number of players there and a great deal of interest there. It's because that's where Rugby League had a team and they wanted to be competitive there and they wanted to get into that competitive market thinking there was money for them. And all it's been has been a drain on the AFL. They've had to give them extra um, cash and stuff like that in order to help them be competitive. Well, at the same time, AFL's got a genuine market in the Northern Territory and Tasmania, and they ignored that considerably for so much longer than they needed to. When mm-hmm. They could have just gone to those two states straight away and had teams bank straight up. They'd have been self-sufficient. They'd had a ton of juniors ready to play. Instead, they went and just did this whole stupid bullshit trying to compete with the NRL in NRL Heartland. And this, to me, feels exactly the same. It's rugby league trying to compete with AFL and AFL Heartland. It will be nothing but a financial drain on the game. Mm-hmm. It will serve zero purpose for the game whatsoever. It's stupid. Okay, well, I'd, I'd take that on board. I, I As I said, I, I'd be happy to look at it, but it, it's, it would need the blessing of the storm. I don't think you'd get that. And... But, you, you know, you make a really good point there. Um, I was tweeting today about the situation the NRL finds itself in because it's it's going gangbusters in terms of crowds and TV ratings and, and the money it's bringing in at the moment. Um, and the thing that it has that the AFL really doesn't have is that it's got a scope to expand and do really big expansions into cities. And that's where you get Perth and Adelaide. I mean, there's more than a million in both of those cities. Um, But I I think that the NRL really needs to put a lot more value on on servicing junior bases. And and that comes down to current clubs as well. And this comes down to the Melbourne Storm and the Sydney Roosters. And both those clubs don't do enough to produce local juniors in particular. Um, and I think that the salary cap or the NRL club grant needs to be aligned with what you spend on real actual local junior football, because otherwise, why are we putting shop fronts in these places if there's, you know, it's like North Korea where it's a fake shop front, you know, we need to have real shops and we, we need to have real distribution centres and, and real farming and, and all that sort of stuff that's behind those shop fronts. And I, I think that that's a big part of what the next expansion should be about. And that's why, I, like, I think you could have a, a New Zealand team come in in a couple of weeks' time and they'd be not too bad, you know, because there's so many junior players there and and just good, you know, New Zealand talent in the game in general. Um, Perth has a junior supporter base, a, a junior league, sorry, which is really important. Adelaide's a little bit different, but I don't think that's right around the corner anyway. PNG is probably the most football prepared, but there's so many different issues there that it's just, I think it's a little bit too much of a, too many issues, you know. Um But there, there's a lot of potential for growth. There's a lot of places that the NRL can go and that's absolutely huge when you consider where the game's at now and where we can look towards. It's a fantastic position to be in. It is, but it seems like a very backwards move to put a team in Victoria when there's just no infrastructure for it. I mean, there's barely the infrastructure there for the one they've currently got. Yeah. Well, the the Storm should be spending... 
I mean, look, the Storm should be spending the same amount the Panthers do on junior football. Yeah, but the thing is, this, I mean, they're probably spending the similar money, but they're spending it in the Brisbane competition. Yeah, and which is ridiculous. Especially when we've just put another Brisbane team in. Mm. Yeah, that it needs to end. Seems... That shit needs to... Like, I, I can get that it, it works well in terms of, you know, their football department and, and getting players the right level of rugby league up in the Queensland Cup and all that sort of stuff, but their juniors are down in Melbourne and they need to cultivate those juniors, not Queensland juniors. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see them being more involved with... Um... You know, you can get the country country leagues to go up through, you know, the Riverina area, stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's all near Albury and Wagga and stuff like that. Plenty of those players end up going basically into Canberra or to Sydney. Yeah. Like, why can't they be going in Melbourne's direction? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're not providing um, a huge a, a huge area of, or sorry, a huge volume of players to the NRL in that area, but they should at least be going to Melbourne. You know, yeah, try I and give Melbourne some sort of region because at the moment, all of the Melbourne players are they are competing with obviously the stronger AFL competitions down here, VFL comps. Mm-hmm. Um, soccer's got a few teams down here. Mm-hmm. Um, rugby union's got a team down here. It's just there's too much competition for one team that's an an outsider team. You know and. Rugby League in Victoria has had a very stop-start existence from from when it first began and when game was down here, and it's just it's it's never had the um, the consistency that it's that it's had, especially in Western Australia, and even in the Northern Territory. Um, I, I still don't know why we haven't put teams in those two those two states. Yeah, back think... in the I was going to say back in the seventies, we had what they called the Pacific Cup, the first mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And it had some of the um, Pacific nations that are still playing today. Mm-hmm. They competed in it, but there were two two teams from Australia, Northern Territory, Western Australia. They've had rep teams playing at international level since the mm-hmm. 70s, and we won't put a team there? Come on. It's interesting because I think that uh, – I think you could make Darwin work, but uh, there's a lot of social problems up in Darwin at the moment, and, and – I wonder how that would play into everything. You would get, you couldn't get any government grants out of, out of, uh, like for a stadium or anything there, because the the Northern Territory government's broke. Um, and and look, people are just over the spending on stadiums for the most part. So, but but I agree with you. You could have a team there. Man, it, it sucks that it it's not easier for us to move Sydney clubs. Hey. Yeah. Well, I mean, all along, I shouldn't have. I'm still not convinced that having the Dolphins was was the right move. That that team should have been Perth. I don't know. I, I think that if I I feel like it it was right. I I think it was definitely right in terms of the TV deal because then you've got the the you know the local relevant content up there every single week, couple of times a week. Um. And, and I think it's got to be a balance between the football and the financial side. I I like it when you can come to a decision on expansion. And if you play devil, devil's advocate for either side of the argument, it's easy to shut down anybody that wants to say, well, you're only doing this because of the money side. 
or you're only doing this because of the local junior side and it's going to lose us heaps of money. If you can cater to both the money side and the local junior side, that's where you, you know you're onto a winner. And I think the the Dolphins do that. I know it's not sexy, but it is something that we had to do in rugby league and have had to have done for a long time. But do you but think I, the Dolphins were a better option than a Perth for both money and for juniors? I think I think it was probably better for money. In terms of juniors, I I don't think they. I think any any uh, Queensland juniors that were going to come into the Dolphins were probably going to come into the game anyway. I think we're pretty good in terms of finding talent in New South Wales and Queensland. I agree. Um, that's and that's the large reason why I think they should have gone to Perth because I yeah. don't think they lose out anything by putting the Perth team in instead of the Dolphins. In fact, I'd say that they pick up more financially. Mm-hmm. And they've got a whole new player market that they can tap into, which we know it's already there. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to get players from WA over. You know, I know it doesn't seem like much with players as I like, but it really is. You don't see too many West Australian players getting in the NRL because it's a fucking bit of hard work. Yeah, it's it's the most isolated city in the world. So chuck a team over there, bam, mm-hmm. they're in. It's not going to take them long to get some homegrown talent over there. Not going to take long at all. Whereas, I mean, and obviously the Dolphins have already got home homegrown talent immediately. But as you said, rightfully so, those people are going to be playing the NRL anyway. Yeah, yeah. We we, do, we don't leave talented players running around in the New South Wales and Queensland Cups. Um, no. It, it's look, it's a good situation to be in. We've got all of these options, and there's plenty of other sports in Australia that are like, well, we've gone everywhere. Like the AFL's going to fucking Tasmania, but that's like, that's a good move for AFL. That makes sense. They've been it, playing AFL down there for years. They, yeah, but they it's not going to make them too much more money, right? They might no. get a few players out of it, but I, it, I, like they're now instead of having giant steps, right? They now have what we would look at as being Central Coast, you know. Kind of, but I would say though, for them, if if they had moved to Tasmania mm-hmm. instead of going to Western Sydney and the Gold Coast, mm-hmm. that would have been more advantageous for them on every front, even financially, than what they've currently done, because those two teams have cost them so much money, mm. and they still have to give them money hand over fist, whereas. Tasmania is just as crazy about AFL as Victoria is. So mm-hmm. it will find sponsors. It will find players to play the game. It'll get up and running in next to no time. That's that's a no-brainer. They should have went there first. Like, you could probably make an argument to go to the Gold Coast because there's only one NRL team there and there's only one team in Brisbane. So, you know, you uh, sorry, AFL team in Brisbane. So there wasn't going to be a huge amount of competition there. But... Going to Sydney is dumb for AFL, just like going to Melbourne a second time is dumb for rugby league. Just got to accept that Melbourne mm. is an AFL city and Sydney is mm. a rugby league city, mm. and neither code is going to thrive in those two environments. It just won't. Now, look that that second AFL team, like it, it is crazy how much money they spent for the zero impact and you get a lot of people that say oh so i live here man they're they're nowhere 
they do not exist basically. Yeah. Um, they don't the, train in the in Western Sydney. They're like the West Tigers. I think they train in fucking Eastern suburbs somewhere or something. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's insane. As soon as I heard that the government was going to tip money into an AFL stadium in in Tasmania, my first thought was, well, you got to play two NRL games there a year. You know, if they want to build a stadium, let's use it. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's interesting because uh, rugby league has the chance to do big expansion steps. AFL's got to do these smaller steps. It, it, if I'm glad that rugby league's not in a position where it's saying, well, we could go to the Central Coast or we could go to Cairns. I mean, Cairns to me doesn't seem like a, a big leap for rugby league either. I'm sure a Cairns rugby league team would be fine up there, you know, but it's not like a big financial centre or anything like that. Um, we've got a chance to go to big cities. And that's fantastic. It, it means that there's real growth that can be done there. Um, and that's not even counting New Zealand, who I, I think that that's, I think that there's, you know, 50 years from now, it'll, there's going to be four or five teams in New Zealand. We'd hope so. Mm. We'd hope so. Because that, that makes sense. Mm. You know, eventually, I think the perfect example would be, to, or perfect situation would be having one team at best, if possible, in most of those specific islands too. Be cool if you could, uh, in a way, subsidise them teams and the running of those teams, which is what a successful league does. You know, it, it you, you put your teams that they they've got enough teams that generate money in the big markets that you can you can you know hand money to your smaller market teams to run their football operations or their whatever their operations are. You know. That would work. Yeah, yeah. See, can you imagine in the future if we see bloody Wellington versus Honolulu? Wouldn't that be good? I reckon we should stay doing this podcast until a team in Honolulu gets up. Yeah, let's not stop recording until it happens. Because once once it does get up, mm-hmm. you'll be able to sell your, your Bitcoin mm-hmm. and buy that team. That would be handy. And then this would just be a PR opportunity to just shit on every other team and talk up the Honolulu side. When people say, like, oh, League Freak, he's, he's one of those new money dudes. What did he make all his money in? Oh, he made him in uh, fucking one six scale figures in Bitcoin. Yeah. You got himself in that sweet Ponzi coin. Oh, yeah. Side hustle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but if a, if a second... Melbourne team does come along, mm-hmm. and this is going to be a bit more of a uh, light-hearted approach. I think they need to come out and go right. We've got to, we've decided that we're going to start a very bitter rivalry with the Melbourne Storm. Mm-hmm. So they need to give themselves a name to really stir that pot hard. I was thinking maybe the Melbourne Compliance, the meteorologists, the meteorologists. I was thinking, yeah. More about being anti whatever the storm is. So, you know, legal. <laughs> the, tax, the tax man. Yeah. The tax man. Yeah, the Melbourne tax compliant. What about considering that the uh, the uh, People's Republic down there in Melbourne, what if they we call them the, crea- the cloud seeders like they do over <laughs> in China? They do a lot of that stuff. Is that right? Yeah, they they do. I think they do. I read somewhere where they do it hundreds of times a year to promote uh, farming growth. Oh, boy. 
I, I, I have that sort of information where I, I say it and it sounds crazy, but in like 10 years' time, you, you, you're like, hey, Leak Freak was talking about that 10 years ago. Is that real? <laughs> I've got that sort of information. That, 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 that's the vibe you're running with. Mm, mm. That's fair. That's fair. Mm. Um, I, I must admit, I don't subscribe to that newsletter. Oh, you got to do an eye scan and all sorts of stuff. Nice sample. I I got very bored with um the world the world news and world politics and shit during COVID. I went, yeah, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I yeah, I you know what I did too. I switched off for a little bit. It was more towards the end of COVID, um, if COVID ever was real, but. Don't start, man. <laughs> fucking get us in trouble. We're going to get flagged. I said nothing. <laughs> oh, shit. I just think it's interesting that, you know, the whole world stopped and all the rich people got richer. That was weird. Well, that's not really surprising, though, is it? Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, whether Remember the world stops they... or not, they've, they've always made sure that they, they look after themselves and the system's designed to make them look Do after themselves. When, when there was one ship got stuck in one canal and it's and it made fucking like cauliflower cost 10 times what it was and shit like that it's like wait a minute that was that fucking ship got stuck like two and a half years ago why am i paying this much for watermelons from queensland (laughs) what the fuck well you know it was an expensive operation i know that's interesting every fruit and vegetable has to has to subsidize that now yeah, <laughs> it's like an NRL and expansion, really. There you go. I wonder what was in that ship. What do you reckon? Can you imagine if that that ship it gets to the port or wherever and it's just full of like Lego? No, I'll with you along. It's just full of empty containers. Like it already <laughs> dropped them off. It's just bringing the empties back to fill them up again. They put they put in a special ship's captain, and his whole job is just to jam the fucking thing into the side of the canal. Like, how do you not go straight? It's like it's right in front of you. How do you? Where are you fucking swerving? <laughs> They're trying to dodge something. Yes. <laughs> Starts fishtailing. Going, holy fuck! This this canal's only ten meters long. I saw a fish in front of me. I wasn't going to hit the fucking thing. Yeah, God, the the work brigade would be after me. I'm starting to piss a few people off. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. Oh boy, this is escalated. Yep. Yep. Um shall we look at this week's games? I've got a few stats. Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's do that. Um Bulldogs Raiders. Oh man. Um oh that's a tough one. I I tipped the Bulldogs last week, hey. Um I'll, I, I'll I'll run through the stats and see if I can get help you with your decision. Okay, okay. Since twenty ten the dogs have won just three of twenty one games played in Brisbane. Oh man. Um, 13 of Canberra's last 16 games in Brisbane have been decided by a margin of 10 points or less. 11 of those were decided by 6 points or less, and 6 of those by 2 points or less. That doesn't help me. <laughs> um, Canberra have won their last 6 straight games against the Dogs, and 8 of their last 9 games against them. Yeah, I think I'm going for Canberra. Alright. I'd be... Uh, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the two teams. Um, I think both of those sides are at the moment. They're just when they're playing good, you'll you can tip them, and mm. myself and I'm not. They're going to win. But when they're 
bad. Their bad is real bad, and they're pretty inconsistent at the moment. Um, the dogs, to me, are better on paper, but I think the Raiders have slightly better consistency. The Bulldogs are a bit too wild with their range between good and bad. Yeah, I... I mean, I'm t- I'm tipping the Raiders, and I'm not real confident about it. We know what I think about the Raiders, so yeah, I got to go. I'll have to go the Raiders. That sucks. <laughs> um, Manly versus the Broncos. That's easy, that one. So Brisbane have won thirty of their forty-one games when they've been at the top of the ladder and playing at Suncorp Stadium. Oh yeah, that's that's good record. Um. Just 13 of the 49 games between these sides has had a margin less than 10 points. That's interesting. And in Manly's last three visits to Queensland, they've lost all three games, scored 40, and conceded 118, which is an average losing margin of 26. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Seabold returns. Yep. Jake Trebojevic is out. He's got a – I think he pulled his hamstring or something. Yeah, he's done done what his brother does. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's he's starting to get the toms about him. I saw, I saw a picture of him in the, the newspaper, and, man, I nailed my description of him. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the Broncos will whip the fucking shit out of Manly. I think that there – I think there'll be a lot of players in this Broncos team that want to put it to bold. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll say Brisbane will win by at least 26 points. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Warriors Panthers. And obviously there was that backing up start after losing to the Tigers they had there for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, Penrith have won 16 of the last 20 games against the Warriors and 18 of their 21 games in Queensland over the last three years. That's crazy. Um, and all up, they've played 49 games. Penrith have won 30 of them. Wow. Uh, it's, it's hard not to tip the Panthers, but they need to, they need to do it. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll be picking Penrith here. I don't think it'll be a big win, though. It's going to be a no, tough I, game. I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a a um, a gut check for the Panthers this game. Yeah. Uh, Sharks versus Dolphins. The Sharks have won just eight of their 27 games played at Suncorp Stadium. Wow, that's the surprise. Yeah. Um, away from there, they're not too bad, but they've... They have won their last three games in Queensland, and the Dolphins have won four of the six games in Queensland. Can you imagine what – I mean, it's going to be fucking rocking for this game. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah, I, I think the the Sharks the Sharks attack at the moment looks fucking on fire. Mm-hmm. Their defense, though, has lapses. And you can't you can't have your defense lapse against a Wayne Bennett side because they'll punch holes through and they'll, they'll keep themselves in the game that way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a high-scoring but close game. I'm, who are you picking? I'll go with the Sharks. I'm, I feel the exact same way. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Sharkies, all right. Yeah. Um, Storm versus South. What a game this is going to be. Um, Storm have an unbelievable record against South. 38 games they've played against each other. Storm have won 32 and lost six. <laughs> Storm have also won 42 of their last 51 games in Queensland. 
And South of 125 are the last 29 games in Queensland. They're both very strong at the moment in, up in Queensland. So it's... I think that South, the, the Rabbitohs have only ever beaten the Storm not at their home grounds once. Yeah. Um, and it was they were playing at something <clears throat> new I saw. I can't remember who put that stat up, but it was like some... They were playing in Adelaide or Perth or somewhere weird. Uh, you've got to go. The, you've got to go the Rabbitohs. They're in very good form. Everyone's everyone's just playing really well for them. The Storm, they're a good team, but they're not as they're just not at that level. Um, no. But at the same time, the Storm, they can still pull out a win like this. Uh, but I'm still going the Rabbitohs. Yeah, I'll go the Rabbitohs in this one. I really like them this year. I think they they're going all the way to the grand final. Um, Tigers. Versus Dragons. Oh, jeez. Circle this one on the calendar, people. I know. Do we have to watch this one? <clears throat> I'm going to start this stat, and I want to see if you can get the number right. Okay. Since 2020, the Tigers have won back-to-back games how many times? <laughs> 2020. Yeah. Uh, once? Four times. Four times, wow. You're, you're a lot closer than you realised. <laughs> <laughs> um, 15 of the last 16 games played by a 17th ranked side have been by West Tigers, 6, West Magpies, 9, and the Bulldogs, 1. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, Balmain West and the West Tigers have won 166 games, lost 238, and drew 11 against Illawarra, St. George, and St. George, Illawarra. There you go. That's full merger stats right there since 1908. Yeah. Uh, I was saying is the Dragons absolutely own the Tigers. I They've made a huge amount of changes. The Dragons, they dropped Lomax. They dropped Little. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to go to the Dragons, hey? The one thing that's making me pick the Tigers here is because the Dragons have made so many changes. Yeah, that worries me. That does worry me. Although yeah. Lomax, it, Lomax is great. Lomax is like the David Nofaluma of the Dragons. <laughs> he really is. Except he's a bit more useful in attack. I don't know that he is, huh? Hey? He, he is. He can kick goals. He can't kick goals. <laughs> he, he can better than Nofaluma can. Yeah, but that's like, so can I, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, um, um, the the Dragons should win this, but I, the amount of changes, um, I don't know. I, I tend to always tip against a team that's just made a ton of changes. Um, even though they're playing against a team that's run on last, I'll, I'll go a, a narrow into the Tigers. What is and the, watch the what, media pile on. Oh, the Tigers are still a mathematical chance. Yeah. <laughs> what is what would be the most West Tigery thing to do? Would it be to just never look like they were in this match? Yeah, or the West, West Tigers thing after beating the Panthers and getting mm-hmm. all that relief off their chest is the Dragons come out and win sixty four to nil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That would be peak Tigers because that whole week has been completely eroded and we're back to where we were two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do. That's what they do. What must it be like for uh, Luke Brooks when he plays again, like across from Ben Hunt? And he's like, why the fuck is Ben Hunt talking all the time? <laughs> he won't shut the hell up. He's <laughs> telling everyone what to do. He's so bossy. Yeah. I don't like those bossy people. Yeah. 
Um, Roosters Cowboys. The Cowboys fucking suck at the moment. So Roosters pretty easy. Roosters aren't going that great either themselves. So no, um, but they're going better than the Cowboys. I think that this top stat here though is uh, going to be pretty accurate here. Roosters have won their last five games against Cowboys, scoring an average of thirty-three points per game. Yeah, I think that will continue. Smashing them, yeah. The last time the Roosters lost back-to-back games in a season in Queensland was in 2016. I saw some Roosters fans talking about the Bondi Wall is back. I'm like, what the fuck is the Bondi Wall? Is there yeah, a Bondi Wall? I Look, there might have been, but I probably just calmed down a little bit on that. <laughs> yeah, so calm down. Fuck. Um, and the Cowboys have won just four games at Suncorp since 2013. That's a surprise. Hmm. And last one, Titans versus Eels. Oh, man, are these the same clubs? <laughs> mm. <laughs> They're both erratic and stupid. Yes. They neither have achieved anything in the last 30 years. Eels have won their last seven games against the Titans. That's good. Um, the Eels have won six of their last eight games at Suncorp, and the Titans have won just 10 of their 32 games at Suncorp. All the stats are against the Titans here. Yeah, they are. Um, um, this is a game, though, that the current ill side are very high chance of dropping. It feels like it, doesn't it? That's what's getting me. Mm. I tipped the I tipped the Titans last week against Manly, which everything pointed against the Titans winning that game. Remember that? I do. Yeah. Um, I was for some reason I was very confident about that one, but then again, it's at the Titans. If they were just consistent, that would be like not a surprising result. The problem is that they very easily could lose this game 40 nil. You know, that's just yeah. what the Titans would do. Well, actually, this is a game that both teams could do that. Yeah. I hate this game. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I'll watch it. I feel like this will be one of those games where you'll see like five things where it's, it, it's weird not for a rugby league game. It's just weird for life. Yeah. Um, it's it's horrible. Mm. I I I'm gonna tip Titans only because I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna tip. I'm gonna tip my opposition. Paramount. My opposition to alphabetical order. That'll be the reason why. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm gonna tip Parramatta because I just I don't like this game, and the Titans hate themselves. Uh, but surely you like Gold Coast coffee. Well, everyone likes Gold Coast coffee. It's just the greatest pick-me-up ever. Yeah. Well, that should be a reason to pick the Titans, surely. Makes you want to start a business. <laughs> a buzzing business. I'll tell you what. I was going to say something. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I want to I finish off on a uh, on one last article here that came out a couple of days ago. Okay. It's... Now, this is a very intentional thing, so don't get distracted by the name of the player in it, okay? Okay. Brain scan gives Paul Gallon peace of mind over CTE fears. Now, there's a reason why Paul Gallon is picked, and it's got nothing to do with who he is as a human or anything that he's done as an athlete. It's because he's part of the media machine. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. A brain scan, as we've we've discussed with um, Alan Pearce, Yes. You you can't 
you cannot detect CT until you've had an autopsy done. Yes. And you can only get an autopsy done when you're dead. Yes. Okay, so no brain scan is going to find anything that's going to give any indication of what you know, your potential of getting CTE is. No. But this is the sort of thing that the media will put out essentially to say, um, you know, we're doing all, all that we can to make sure that we're looking after players and he's this bloke, he's he's done boxing, he was a forward in the middle of the field and played a long career and he played a long time and his brain's okay, so rugby league safe for your kids, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. It's all about it's not it's got nothing to do with Paul Gallon's health. It's all about setting a narrative about yeah. How the NRL is doing all the right things to looking after their players, but that narrative is completely wrong because the whole premise of this is based on a scan that can't detect CTE at all. No, it's a weird one. Um, it's a, the, the whole the whole premise of this whole thing is based entirely on a lie. Mm. But it's all about trying to sell the message that we're doing all the right things about looking after players and head knocks and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, when when I read, first of all, when I read, I was surprised, like that they found one. Um, and, and like, I mean, I, I guess you've got to be careful when, like, who you go by as well. I mean, doing a brain scan on just a completely natural athlete like Paul Gallen, just Mister Fucking Vitamins over here, it's. <laughs> I don't know. I, it was one of those ones I read, and I sort of thought, "All right, you know." Um, but because it, it it doesn't mean anything. Like you no, got a brain scan. Like great, it, 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 you can't. You know that doesn't mean anything. Is, that's right. It doesn't mean anything. The problem is though, too many people who are fans of the game will read that and go. Oh, the NRL is doing all the right things about CT. That's good. Mm. They're the same people who will get told that if a player is getting a lot of head knocks, they should wear headgear. Yeah. And as we've discussed with with Alan Pierce as well, all that does is protect you from getting cuts and scratches on your skull. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop your brain from jangling around inside the, you know, your inside your skull. There, it's still going to get the head knocks the same whether you got yeah. the headgear on or not. That doesn't stop you. A helmet won't stop you either. The only way you can stop your brain from getting damaged is if you can put a helmet over the top of your brain inside your skull, and that can't be done. Yeah, and then you've got to then you've got to stop physics. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, and there's what's happened is is this narrative that's come out through some of the people in the media, like um, Phil Gould and the like, Buzz Rothfields, those sort of people, saying that this CTE fear is going to kill the game of rugby league and it's going to stop the whole physicality of most of the stuff. They've got to stop thinking that that's what these scientists want, is the game stopped. They don't want that. No, no. What they want is proper funding and resources so they can test it more, so that they can try and find some way of determining if someone's going to get CTE before they get an autopsy so that they can try and help them mm-hmm. have a normal life and not suffer from it while they're still alive. That's what they want. They want to help, but they're seeing them as a threat to the game, which is so fucking stupid and counterproductive. Yeah, and it's... The thing that gets me is that I I think one day they will have a DNA test that shows whether you're more susceptible 
maybe not to concussions because concussions, like you can see, we've seen boxers and MMA fighters and stuff like that who can take a punch, take a punch, take a punch, and then all of a sudden they've got a glass jaw. Yeah. So I, I don't think that getting a concussion is necessarily just a, you know, you just put together in the wrong, and I say the wrong way, you just put not to put together in the right way to get your head knocked in and be all right. Because some people are. Like some people, they get smashed. They just, Like you look at Moses Leota and the, the, the collisions he's in every single time he does anything on a football field. Like that dude is just built differently, right? And then you get a player like a, a Callan Ponga who is obviously built differently, you know, and he it doesn't take much to concuss him, unfortunately. And I think that we'll get to a point where they can do a certain number of tests and they'll be able to either determine that you're, you've got, you know, when you get hit in a tackle or, or you get knocked about in a tackle or even if you get a concussion, that they can look at the chemicals that your body produces after a concussion and say, well, these chemicals generally are warning signs that you are more susceptible to CTE. And that that's the sort of stuff that that people like Alan Pierce are looking to move towards that they can they can better diagnose who is in that risk factor and they can do things that will alleviate the possibility that you're going to get it. You know, they're not trying to stop the game from being played. No, it's about and trying we- to understand something new and if there's a way that it can be understood and assistance provided to help these people while they're still alive, um, that can then lead to the possibility that, I don't know, sometime down the line, you might be able to create a medication to help maybe not cure it, but at least slow down the impact it has on your brain so that you're not impacted by it as severely and as rapidly as what happens at the moment with CTE. Yeah, I mean, imagine if if a player... You know, got to if we got to a point where it's like a player got concussed, and they got this the, you know, special injection, and they had to take twenty one days on the sideline. But what it meant was that when they come back, there was they had no brain injury, and there was no carryover effect from that concussion. Like, yeah, it'd be amazing. That's that's what they would. All of these people that are working in this field. That that's the sort of stuff that they would is the dream, you know. The dream isn't for everyone to not do anything because we can all be safe. We can all just bundle ourselves up in bloody cotton wool and stay at home. Yeah, they no one wants that unless you're a politician. Um, <laughs> don't start me. In. <laughs> the you know that's that's the aim, and and any time you see, um, the the real the real causes and, and the real research being PR'd away by somebody saying, oh, I've got a brain scan, I'm fine. It, it, I, I don't know. It's it's just off-putting. I know it's off-putting for you as well. You sort of look at it and you're like, that doesn't, you, you're not doing anything constructive. No, for me too. I mean, having briefly, very briefly been in that um news industry back when I was young and naive and thought that I wanted to be a journalist. Um, 
see how it kind of works just for a little bit mm. enough to make me go, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. I, I've kind of learned how to get a better understanding of what they're actually really trying to write and what they're really trying to say. It's got easier as time goes by, not because um, I'm getting better, but because the quality of journalism is getting so much worse. Yeah. They don't ask the question. No. Like they, like, Stuff like this, okay, Mm. they've made it very obvious because they've picked Paul Gallon, okay, because he's done boxing, because he had a long career, because he was a forward. They're going to say, oh, you know, he was in the middle taking all of these knocks and stuff like that. His brain's fine. Mm. It's like, why why are you trying to sell us that? Why are you trying to sell this narrative to us? Well, isn't that the one, like, Say somebody comes to you and says, we've got Paul Gallon, he's done this brain scan, he wants to talk about it. Isn't the first question, Paul, do brain scans actually, like, diagnose CTA? Because then he has to say, well, no. Well, that's right. And, and it's like you see a lot of footballers at the moment who they'll come out and they say, oh, I talked to my doctor and he said I've probably got CTA. It's like your doctor probably didn't say that because it can't be diagnosed. That's right. Until you've passed away, unfortunately. But surely the person you want to get a brain scan, not the even though it's not going to give you any information over CTE, is someone who you know got concussed a bit. Like perfect example for me would be someone like Sean Valentine. Mm. Copped some sickening head knocks and was very very violently ill for a long time after a lot of those and still has a lot of issues mm-hmm. um with his memory with dizziness illness that sort of thing mm-hmm. um years after he retired look he's the bloke i want to hear about going and getting a brain scan yeah because his brain has been impacted severely i would that's bet- the one you want to see you don't wanna yeah. see, you don't want to see the bloke. i mean jokes aside we never saw gallon knocked out anywhere no not that i can remember Okay, and so it could it could come down to the fact that because he's shorter, right? Shorter neck means there's less chance of getting that whiplash effect on the because as we heard with Dr. Alan Pierce, it was the where the spine meets the back of the brain. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't have that long neck there going on, he's probably got a bit more support around it, so it's not going to get that whiplash effect as as much. Whereas other players like Kalen Ponga, you know, taller, thinner, slightly longer neck. You get that whiplash effect. That's probably what could be causing it. Who knows? Mm. You know, we should be getting the people who have been knocked out and have been severely impacted. Those are the people we need to go get these brain scans. Not the blokes who never were and are working in the media and trying to sell the same narrative that the media wants to sell. That's the thing that gets me. He works for Channel 9, the same Mm. company who owns the Sydney Morning Herald, where this story came from. So straight away I'm going, you know, it's something seems off for me here. Why did you ask that bloke? Why did you ask an employee to go do this for? That reminds me of uh, with the Bulldogs versus Dragons game. Did, did you see the lead up to that game where they they and it was in Channel Nine media and they said um, Panthers official leaks note about Anthony Griffin didn't like you know the their Bulldogs coach. What's his name again? Cerraldo. And there's the Penrith official, and then they quoted Phil Gould in it, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, 
Hang on. <laughs> yeah, you see where I'm going. See, I don't need to explain this to you, right? No. But I'm like, I'm like, is it a panther? Is it some Panthers official was sitting around this week and he was like, oh, I might just go through some old emails and stuff. Oh, yeah, there's this one from Anthony Griffin. Doesn't really like his. Doesn't really like him. It's um, I've got some text messages on my other phone. Where is that thing? Yeah, Honey, like, can you get my Nokia 3310? I sent that into in the media, you know, because it does nothing for us, but why the fuck not? Yeah. And, you know, I thought it might, it could have been just an, a Channel 9 employee passed that information on to Channel 9. That's what I thought it could have been. I could be completely wrong about that, Andrew. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just so funny to read that, and I'm like, what? As, I mean, no one does it better or more obvious than Fox Sports. Right, they they get their their staff to feed their other staff stories mm-hmm. about what their other staff has said about other staff's opinions on yeah. what other staff said about something on one of their TV shows. Yeah, yeah, but none of it involves anything actual. This bloke said this, and this bloke disagreed with it on this show that he did. Watch this show every night at seven thirty, and you know, are you giving us news or just an advert? I saw Paul Crawley. There was all the Dragons fans this this evening. They blew up because Paul Crawley on that fucking NRL three sixty show said that in a Dragons training when Lomax was told he was dropped, he asked the coach why he was dropped, and the coach said, "We'll talk about it tomorrow." And then Little didn't get a, any information about why he was dropped, and the play, he's lost the players, you know in the locker room. And you know what I feel like about shit teams when they lose plays. It's like, who gives a fuck? You're all crap anyway. And, but it was like, why do people put so much fucking value in what Paul Crawley says happened? Yeah. Look, I, I, I thought it was really weird. Yeah. I think I made a tweet once before. It was um, after a Paul Crawley article. Someone shared it to me. Hmm. I said, check this out. And I went, okay, I'll click on your link, knowing that it's going to be paywalled. Mm-hmm. But I clicked on it. And the one thing that I found the most funniest on there was the, um, I think the five, the five most unconvincing words I've ever seen in a sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, click for Paul Crawley's analysis. <laughs> uh, no, nope, that's not selling me shit. <laughs> no, no, I think I'll pass on that one. That that's not selling anything. I it's thought the idea was to try and get people to pay to read your article, not to turn them off it. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing for me is like, obviously, and they, I love people that pretend that they're insiders because they're like, no, they're not. They're not. Um, like they're the, if you if you have to convince someone you're an insider, you are the biggest outsider there ever has been. <laughs> so. The thing that gets me is like, okay, you know that at training, the journalists weren't hanging around with the players while they were finding out who was in and out of the team. And so if that information was passed on, it was passed on by somebody who had, you know, a, a, they were fucking part of this this thing. They, they've got a, there's a reason they want this information out there. So how much could you trust that person? And then you're going to hear, hear it third hand through fucking a, a news limited journo or any journo who I don't trust any journalist. So 
Yeah, I just thought that was fucking funny. Absolutely it was. And if you're a shit team and a shit player and you don't like your coach, fuck you, okay? <laughs> yeah, just who cares? You're shit. <laughs> it's, it is nuts. The worst time in Penrith's history was when they were shit players and they all fucking loved this shit coach. It was so frustrating. Because <laughs> all they're doing is protecting one another. Oh, they all love one another. No one gets dropped and, you know, oh, don't worry about the coach. It's all on us. It's not him. Fuck all of them. It still pisses me off to this day. <laughs> Every now and then, just when the, the happiness starts to overflow, you go on. Don't get ahead of yourself. Stay grounded. Matthew Elliott, Matthew Elliott, Matthew Elliott. <laughs> Look, I had somebody, uh, when I, I tweeted about the Panthers, I don't believe they wanted as much as other teams this year, and I think it's been proven on the football field. Um, and I had some people saying, you know what, you've just got to learn how to be a fan. You've got to stick with them through the tough times as well as the good. I, I could have burnt down planet Earth. <laughs> I could have just taken a fucking flamethrower to everything. I really could have. Yeah, I, I don't get those people who seem to think that the best way you can show your support is to never be critical. I sat through so many fucking angry games when the Panthers were not just shit. They were like, they were wooden spooners. And I sat through every single one of them fucking games. <laughs> you know, trying to convince myself players like fucking Matthew Reek were getting good. That shit. Uh, Learn how to be a good supporter. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, well, that's fantastic. Mm. Um, well, I guess we should probably wrap this one up. Yeah, it's been a good cathartic episode, hasn't it? It has. It's been thorough. I haven't been too angry in this episode, have I? No, no, not at all. That's good. Not at all. Just have I been just... angry enough, though? Yeah, just you've, you've been peaking in exactly the right volume. Excellent. That's what yeah. I'd like to hear. I'm sure there was something in England we had to discuss, but it's not that important. We'll get back We're to that. We're going to talk about the IMG stuff. Yeah, we can do that in our next episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. The English, England versus France, they played a test match on the weekend. England won 64 nil. Men's and women's, they both won 64 nil. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um,. Not surprising, France decided to name quite a young sort of side. They figured, well, if England aren't going to take this thing seriously, then fuck them, we won't either. I've, got a, I've also got something to say about that too. Mm-hmm. Well, we might as well do it now. If France don't want to take it seriously, I don't want to take France seriously anymore. I'm sick of waiting for France to fucking do something in test footy. Well, if they're being treated like absolute minnows and, and no, England they, doesn't want anything to put- do with them, I mean, what are they supposed to do though? France perform like minnows, though, don't they? Yeah, but, I mean, they're trying to get up to where they need to be. Well, But if England just said, we don't see this as a proper test anymore, we can't be fucking bothered anymore. I tell you what, when when they want to turn up, fucking call me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so the next time England's playing France, who are you going for? I just don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care. I stop. I just stop caring. Hey, I'm I saw trying, some English. I'm trying fan. to back you into a corner. Yeah, <laughs> you can't do that. There's one. There's one thing you'll never hear me say that I'm going for, and that's them fucking little island dwellers. So, um, so maybe we should just have France playing test matches against Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. That if I tell you what they. 
At least rugby league is being good in France at some point. It's never been good in Wales. Um, oh, I was going to say something. Uh, if we, oh, yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter. It was very funny. They, the rugby football league, they're setting up, they are talking about setting up a test series against uh, Samara at the end of the year in England. And then with the following year, they're looking at playing Tonga in England. Um, and I saw somebody saying, well, maybe it's time for Australia to stand up. And it's like, bitch, we were there six months ago. What the fuck do they want us to do? They want everything. Uh, yeah, we're the world champions, aren't we? Kicked everyone's ass, men's and women's. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. See, it's the thing. England wants to be dismissive of France. Mm. But that attitude they have towards France is pretty much the same attitude that Australia has towards England. Yeah, definitely, definitely dismissive. Yeah, yeah. That, that's largely what's going on. No time for them. No. Um. Yeah. On that note, we will just get into the IMG stuff in our next episode, absolutely, because there's some there's some meaty stuff in there to get into. Yeah, there's some good good stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. I've been thinking about that all week, actually, thinking we were going to do it, and then other stuff caught up with this, and we had to do this this stuff. Well, that's right. Tiger won again. Tiger's won again, so we've got to talk about that. Yeah. That's the, the least least aggressive I've been in a, in a few months. <laughs> <laughs> this is this will be the first time in, in about, you know, what, 10 months where you haven't had to write a, a title or a description for the podcast that has West Tigers rant in it. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> it's uh, our annual West Tigers won a game podcast. <laughs> 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 uh, righty. well, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials. Um, the podcast is at Fergo Freak Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we will catch you all next time. <laughs>